three, two, one. Welcome back to the Bushnell Project. John Bushnell here. So glad that you joined me again. Whatever it is that you do this, if it's in the morning, that's awesome. I think a morning is a good routine, good habit. But whenever you can sit down uh, and listen to God's word, that's a good thing. And then to to read it. We are in Joshua. The goal of this podcast is to help us be more and more in God's word. And so it's not an in-depth theological conversation about the verses we're about to read. There's just some basic common man observation that I'm trying to do here and speak into your life through prayerfully God's word, the Holy Spirit. So here we go. We're in verse 14 of Joshua chapter 3. And let's just keep reading on here. We'll finish up the chapter today. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the bank of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zerathon, and those flowing down toward the sea of the of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over by dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Um, so that's the end of the chapter, and just a just a beautiful picture here of of God being the God of the universe and total control of the elements here. So here's a river that is flowing. And this is the time, probably the time of the harvest. So it's very, it's not like it's really shallow and it's, it's sort of easy for this to happen. This is when it would be the most difficult to do this. The priests come in and once they're, they are all in the water, in the part there, their feet are in the water. All of a sudden the water starts to just dry up. So the water that's coming down the river toward the sea starts to wall up. Like there's a force against it causing this big wall. So if you've seen some of, well, maybe you've seen it in a movie or I think of some of the, like I just saw with my granddaughter, uh, Mulan, is that right? Mulan, uh, am I saying that right? And the ocean will back up and all of a sudden, it's like you're in an aquarium and you can see the fish swimming and stuff like that. That probably is pretty accurate idea what's happening here. The water is being stopped from flowing down, so it's starting to back up. And it's just being lifted up. And it's a wall of water that is preventing the water from continuing on. Meanwhile, somehow the land has been made super dry real quick so that the people cross on dry land with a wall of water upriver from them and as, as they cross over. And it's not... It's not a creek. It's it's a river. Uh, it's not at this point of the year. It would be somewhat. It'd be more than a few steps, right? So they're they're crossing over a couple hundred yards of river, going toward um, toward Jericho. That's where they're crossing, and 
And so the part that's walling up on them is probably on the right as they move because I'm pretty sure the sea is to the left or south of them. They're again coming from the west and toward the Mediterranean into Jericho, into the promised land. And this amazing thing is happening. Now their ancestors, their their parents, their grandparents probably had related to them the great story of them crossing the Red Sea. And they probably thought they understood that. And now they're experiencing it for themselves and they're in awe, right? Wow, this is incredible. I remember, you know, my parents, my grandparents telling me about this, but wow, this is this is unbelievable. There's nothing like experiencing it for yourself, right? And I think, you know, for us, it's to realize that we're, we're not going to have probably a, a Red Sea crossing, Jericho crossing moment in our life. Now, we sort of will when we die and we cross the river in, into eternity with God. Uh, that, that, But here on earth, we're probably not going to have that kind of moment. But we have a moment when God starts to bring us to life, take, changes our heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And when we come to that moment where, where we realize how we are truly forgiven by God's grace and God's mercy, that we are his, that we are joint heirs with the creator of the universe. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Uh, and that our father is the God of the universe, right? That That is pretty amazing, but we still experience it from a human perspective. So it's asking God, the Holy Spirit, to help us to really grasp it so that it becomes our greatest treasure and we're not swayed by the stuff of this world to move away from our allegiance to the God of the universe, which I see often in many, many who call themselves Christians or Sunday go-to-church Christians, that the rest of the week, their allegiance is to them or to whatever their idols are, not to the God of the universe. And there's something about having a a crossing the Jordan River kind of experience. And I think God does give us those at some point in our life. I think many have had them and maybe you've forgotten about it. You, you've gotten busy with life and things like that. There's whether it, you know you call it a miracle, it is a miracle when you're saved, when your heart of flesh or heart of stone is changed to a heart of flesh. That is a miracle, a miracle that only the Holy Spirit can do. And it happens when we hear the gospel message, when we hear the truth of God's word. And at some point, all of a sudden, we realize, wow, Jesus really is real. And he is the creator. He is God. And he died for my sins, killed by us, so that we can have a relationship with him. That is not just good news. That is great news. It's great news that I'm saved. It's terrible news that we did that to him. That was God's redemptive plan. And just like there's, this is God's plan to get Israel out of the wilderness where they've been, been going nowhere for 40 years into the promised land. He has that moment for you where you go from being a slave to sin to becoming joint heirs with Jesus Christ and becoming a slave to righteousness, as Romans puts it, or being free from sin 
and free from the condemnation of the sin. Not so you can then go and sin however you want, do whatever you want, but so that you can rightly worship God in spirit and in truth and move forward with that relationship that God wants with you and that you want and need with him. So I pray that this is good for you. Enjoy your day. Get into God's word. Even if you're just reading, uh, again, like Psalms, Proverbs, or read the letter of Colossians. It's, I think, three chapters, real short. Maybe it's four. Um, but it's a short. It's one of the shorter letters, right? Like Ephesians is six. And actually, Colossians is... Uh, is it longer? Yeah, it's because it's... because it's. No, I'm thinking of Galatians. It's funny that the, the letters of Paul are in the order of their length, which is why... Romans is first. It's the longest letter in the letters. Uh, so I think it's Ephesians and then and then Colossians because I think Colossians is, and I'm just, I've got all these markers in Ephesians because I'm reading. And so now I want to know uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? I, yes, I was right. There it is. And it is four chapters. So read Colossians real short for actually short chapters. That's just a real good thing. You can read Colossians over and over and over again. You'll get better at reading God's word. I encourage you with that. God bless you guys. Talk to you soon.